Hey, good morning, and good morning, everyone. Thanks for being with us. Uh, lots to get to today. We are going to spend some time talking about the events of 9-11. The 21st anniversary happens on Sunday. So we've got some guests lined up today. Um, always an emotional time for me when we reflect on 9-11, not just for, you know, how I lost, what I lost because of the war on terror, but my, and my memories as an American, but as I talk with friends uh, who were so immensely impacted on that day at 835 uh, a compelling story uh, if you can be here it would be it would be fantastic for you to be here to hear this story if you've not heard it before uh, my friend his name is Mike McAvoy Mike McAvoy is um one of the most patriotic, positive people I've ever met in my life. And yet on 9-11, he suffered the loss of a brother who was a firefighter with Ladder 3 in Lower Manhattan, FDNY, and his best friend since childhood, a, a man named Jimmy Ladley, who was living, who was working in the towers for a company called Cantor Fitzgerald. And he actually saw the towers come down from a distance um, and lost two of the people he loved most um, in his life that day and has spent the last 21 years. Uh, retelling that story to make sure people understand not just the bitterness of the loss, but it's uh, such a positive attitude that comes from Mike. And uh, he is always in my my thoughts when I think about 9-11. And you'll be able to hear his story at about 835 this morning. Uh, at 935, we speak with a, another very close friend. His name is Mike Angeloni. Uh, Mike Angeloni owns a construction company here in town, a very successful businessman, but is a retired firefighter in New York and goes back every year for the ceremonies in New York City, and he is back in New York. We'll be calling in this morning at 935. And then coming up in the 10 o'clock hour, something a little bit different this year, we're speaking with a lieutenant named Timothy Klett, who is still with the New York Fire De- uh, Fire Department with FDNY. He is the lieutenant in the Bronx and has lived through 9-11 on that day, but also has been a part of watching that agency um, rebuild, uh, what that was like to memorialize the people that you've lost and then to have to move forward to rebuild that agency and the equipment and the manpower and the things that it takes to keep people safe as a, when you serve in public safety. So we will do that throughout the morning. At 10 o'clock, we will be uh, carrying the, the, uh, the comments by the King of England. Uh, we'll, we'll speak to the world and we'll carry that, at least part of that live at 10 a.m. Uh, that's what's coming up on the show. We start this morning with the economy and a couple of things that are happening. I always like to start with the headlines. And uh, one of them is that uh, Bernie Sanders vows to oppose a controversial Schumer Mansion side deal. Uh, they made a side deal, and it's part of this package to stop a, a, another government shutdown. And in this deal, the deal that was made between the two of them, it would allow for more oil leases. And it would ease some restrictions. And Bernie Sanders said he is going to oppose this because it gets in the way of President Biden's um, uh, climate change agenda. So in spite of the relief we've gotten in, in inflation has been so astronomically high and remains high in other sectors, we have seen relief at the pumps. We have seen gas prices fall now below four bucks a gallon, which is good news for everyone. Uh, still higher than it was, but uh, you know, good news that people are able to fill their tanks without emptying their banks. How's that for a little uh, rhyme this morning? Um, and we should be doing everything we can. As a matter of fact, the president is now considering um, continuing to release oil from the strategic reserve well past election day. Um, 
and and there are a lot of people questioning whether or not that's the right idea. We know that the OPEC nations are slowing production. So does that uh, is this going to help offset that? The problem here is we got to buy that oil back. So it's going to cost the American taxpayer quite a bit of money. Um, and is it the right thing to do? People are questioning this. Europe is, you know, talking about their problems with oil. But here are some economy stories that we should be a little bit concerned about. Mortgage applications are down 23 percent from one year ago. Now, here in the Valley, everybody is talking about a cooling in the real estate market, but it isn't going to be a crash, which I absolutely believe to be true. I lived through the real, the crash in the real estate market, and no one thinks that's going to happen here. There is high demand still for housing. Um, we are just seeing a cooling where investors, the cash buyers, are no longer scrambling to fight with each other in order to, to buy homes. But we are have seen a cooling in the market. What exactly is going to happen? Are people going to jump back in? Because this is what many people have been waiting for. Renters that have been saving to buy for a very long time have been saving for or waiting for this to happen so that they can get into the market. So are we going to see kind of a relatively quick bounce back? At least that's the hopes from people. Price of goods may be stabilizing, but service costs remain high. Fueling inflation is another headline from AZ Central. And this was interesting. We know about debt relief. We know about the uh, student debt relief that's happening for many people. Seven states may tax the student home loan cancellations. And I'm anxious to see how this works. So imagine this. The You have a government-backed loan. The government says we're going to – the federal government says we're going to forgive your loan. But the state government says, nah, if that's income. This is the other part of when we talk taxes. This is what gets me. Uh, I've talked about this at many levels, uh, how they find a different way to come after people and take from them. It's not just income taxes. It's not just sales taxes. There are all of these other factors that come into it. And uh, when you when you look at this, you know, if you inherit money – the estate tax, which I think is personally, I think it is the most ghoulish thing we do as a country. You know, people work their entire lives. They do the right thing. Many of them. They do the right thing. They save. They accumulate wealth. And as uh, I think most of us would agree, when you get older, you look at what's happening and you say, you know, I would love to be able to make it easier for my children and my grandchildren, easier for them than I had it. So if I can leave a legacy behind of some accumulation of wealth, I want them to have it. Or in the case of uh, the ranchers and farmers here in Arizona, um, the land is worth so much more money than they make many times. They make their living off of the land, and it's generational wealth because it's the land that's got all this value. When the head of the family dies, the owner whose name is on the deed dies – and they pass it on to their children. The children often are on the hook for the value of that land as income. And when the estate tax kicks in, those families end up becoming sharecroppers or they have to sell off large parts of their family legacy because they have to pay taxes. I've told this story of a friend before that um, – his uh, and I don't know. I don't have any idea what is involved uh, specifically, but I do know that he had an inheritance from his mother, his his parents, when his mother finally passed away, and uh, the, he, part of it was real estate was with it was in this portfolio, and he had to pay estate taxes on all of this. So they had to sell some of the real estate. That would had been passed on by his parents. He had to sell it in order to pay the estate taxes. Well, to, to rub salt in the wounds, they had to pay capital gains taxes first before they paid the – so they were getting double taxed on an inheritance. 
I think that's the most ghoulish. I don't care how much money you have. I really don't. I don't care if you're a billionaire. If you have wealth that you want to pass on to the people you love, you should be able to do that without penalty. They should not be grave robbing. Is our country really that broke that we are going to steal from the dead? And so all of these different areas where they find ways to tax you, um, you know, we, we uh, I always kind of marvel at a, a small business or a large business, a company that finds a new revenue stream, that finds a new way to earn more money. Well, this is another revenue stream for the government. And uh, I've talked about this so much because if you look at how much money the federal government takes into the treasury – there is no reason to be going out and trying to get more money from the American public. There's no reason for it whatsoever, and yet they continue to do it, and they continue to do it playing a class warfare game, but it always ends up biting the working class. You've got uh, you know, job creators are going to be taxed more and be overregulated, and I think that's where the problem lies. We all know that regulation is necessary, but we also know that regulation should not be oppressive. And you've got a weakened market because people are still climbing out of COVID. You've got companies trying to bounce back and become profitable profitable again. The job market has gone crazy. They're paying employees more and more money. The cost of doing business has gone up dramatically because of supply chain issues. And now we're going to impose a tax on the richest among us. And we all know that those companies are not going to eat those taxes. And you've got Bernie Sanders saying – I'm not going to go along with this deal because it helps the oil companies. I mean, in a nutshell, that's what he's saying. We have seen relief at the pump. It's been a bright spot in the economy over the last six months or whatever it's been that we've seen gas prices continue to fall. Not diesel. Diesel's still up around five bucks a gallon. But at least oil has come down and gas prices are going down. And yet you've got people standing in the way and it's going to affect every one of you, not just wealthy people, all of us. And it's the things that make me crazy. It really does. All right. Coming up in a few moments, my friend Mike McAvoy is going to join us. Uh, the story is one of the most compelling but also inspirational stories of 9-11 that I've ever heard anyone tell. And I've been traveling for 21 years talking about this. And uh, he lives here in the Valley. And we're lucky to have him here in Arizona. It's a rough weekend for him. But he gets through it every year because he thinks it's a message people need to hear. And I agree with him. So McAvoy joins me here in just a couple of moments. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News. 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. That September day. Thanks for being here this morning. Um, emotional weekend for Americans um, and people all over the world, um, but especially people that were touched personally by it. And uh, every year it's been a tradition on the show that we speak, our first guest when we speak about 9-11 is always Mike McAvoy. Um, such a compelling story of inspiration as much as it is sadness. Uh, Mike, thanks again for doing this this year. Uh, you're welcome, Michael, and as always, thank you for having me and and keeping this day alive. Um, it, it's 21 years, and there's times it feels like it was a century ago, and there's times it feels like it was, you know, a month ago. 
Um, and I know that it's a very difficult emotional weekend for you because you are asked to uh, and should be asked to speak at so many events. And I know that you try to say yes to everyone. But can you fill some? Can we fill in some of the story for the people that have heard you talk about it that day? Where were you? And can you walk us through what happened? Well, I was in my office. Uh, we had direct views of the Trade Center. Uh, and I had come back. We had a, a cafe uh, on the fourth floor, and I worked on the eighth floor. And uh, I'd come back to my office, and I saw people walking by, like, you know, very quickly. And it was a lot. And I said, hey, what's going on? They said, a plane hit the Trade Center. And, and again, <laughs> you've probably heard this at that. Nobody thought that it was a, a, a giant commercial jet. You know, people think, I'm thinking, wow, well, you know, it had to be some small jet, maybe the wind blew it into the trade center or whatever. And as I'm sitting at my, I didn't, I didn't even think to get up. As I'm sitting at my desk, more people go by and I heard someone say, we think it's a commercial airline. And I got up and I walked over to the windows. Like I said, we had a perfect view of the trade center. We weren't that far away. And oh my gosh, to see, to see that smoke uh, billowing out of the building, and the flames going, and I, you know, the first person I thought of was my best friend Jimmy. Uh, he worked on the 104th floor of the World Trade Center, and it was the one that got hit. Uh, and I ran back to my desk, you know, and tried calling him and calling him. Now, but people have to remember what it was like in 2001. His cell phone wasn't what it is today. So who knew if it was in his desk or he left it in his car? I mean, it wasn't as, you know, it was basically a phone back then. And, and that was it. And I'm sitting there, I'm calling, I'm calling, I'm getting no answer. And um, I thought, you know, maybe he's home today. It was a beautiful day. We had had rain for like three days. It was a beautiful day. And he loved to golf. You know, I, I was looking for some hope. And I, and I called his house. And this is something that shudders me. And, and every day is, is when his wife answered the phone. She hysterically screamed hello. You know, and I knew. I knew. You know, back then, again, caller ID didn't say your exact name. It probably said New York City on it. And she thought it was him. And I knew at that moment that he was in work. And uh, she actually asked me what building he worked in. You know, you tell people you work in a trade center. You don't say World Trade Center 1 or 2 or North and South. You just say I work in a trade center. And I remember sitting there looking at the ceiling go, do I lie to her? Because I knew what building you worked in. You know, do I lie to her? And I just said, hey, you know what? I'm going to get in touch with them and I'll call you back. But I knew that, yeah. you know. And because the first, the only plane that hit at that moment was the first plane. So, um, again, trying to find that information. And, and time went really quick. You know, went really quick. And I walked back over to the window to see what was going on. And I'm walking down this hallway and it's file cabinets. And just as I turned... It was, the whole office was in front of the windows, right? People screamed, and people literally fell to the floor because now the second plane hit. And I yelled, what, what happened? They said, a plane hit the other building. And Mike, to this day, hearing that, remembering that scene right there, you know, 21 years ago, I remember I got so nauseous, and I just looked at my watch, and it was 9.05, and that's when I said, oh, my God, my brother John. Is he working today? I just got chilled saying it. Yeah. And, and he was. You know, he was there in the firehouse. He, his shift had actually ended at 9, but, you know, the first plane hit at 8.45. So, um, so now I got two people. I got my best friend who's in there and my brother, John, who's a fireman. And when I call a firehouse, no one answered, of course. You know, why would they? It's been now 20 minutes, 20-something minutes since the first plane hit. And, um, yeah, that was the start of just an awful day. When Being an American... 
of being a New Yorker. It was just an awful day. Um, you sent me a video um, of mm-hmm. Ladder 3, your brother's truck, uh, crushed. Mm-hmm. Um, when you watch that video 21 years later, it still has got to be harrowing. Mm-hmm. It is. It is. And, and that truck is now in the museum mm-hmm. inside the Trade Center. They, they picked that truck for some reason and put it in the Trade Center. And, and you can watch the video there. And, and the museum, which is underground, is is unbelievably, terrifically done in, in the most tragic way. But, uh, yeah, watching that video, it's surrounded by... The, the parts of the buildings and flames and his firemen walking around down there. I mean, it's what we need to remember of yeah. what took place 21 years ago. I mean, this, you know, my brother didn't pass on. Uh, my best friend didn't, you know, we didn't lose him. He, they were murdered in the worst way. And many people watched it on TV or witnessed it like I did. And it leaves a footprint on your heart. I mean, and, and in your soul, there's no way this day comes without me feeling the same feelings I had 9-11, you know, the day after September 12th, it, it just comes back because you relive what you saw. It's, it's part of your DNA now. Let me ask you one more question before I let you go, because what I've heard, I've heard you speak about this so many times, but you always end with the positive things you saw, which is remarkable to me after the loss you suffered. Can you talk about that positive side of what you saw in the days that followed? <clears throat> You know, everyone wanted to to help. Everyone across the world, uh, Americans flag. I, I love my flag, Mike. I've got one in the front of my house. I got one in the back of my house. You know, um, flags everywhere. People sending food to the firehouse. Um, you know, it, it just was an incredible feeling. But it couldn't overwhelm the feeling of just sorrow. But, yeah, I mean, th- to think that Feynman would run up those stairs. Mm-hmm. You know, I posted a picture the other day of a Feynman standing in front of those buildings looking up. He went in. He's looking up at those buildings. And I know from as far away as I was looking at them that, oh, my God, you're not going to put out that fire. And, and the chances of saving people are slim. But they did anyway. They went into those buildings. They went in there. The amount of courage. And my brother John was fearless. He was absolutely fearless. And I always say this, there's no other place he would want to be on that day than trying to help people get out. And I'm sure every fireman felt that way. And there were other heroes, too, that weren't police or firemen or paramedics. There were everyday citizens in that building, too, who who sacrificed their life to get people out. Well, Mike, I, uh, I'm sorry that we're out of time because I love hearing the story the way you tell it. Mm-hmm. And I'll be praying for you this weekend because I know it's an emotional weekend for you. And I, I want to thank you again every year for being willing to come and tell the story on the air. Hey, hey Mike, I want to share one thing. Okay. And, and, you know, I love this place. It's the Tempe Healing Field. Yes. People, if you're listening, go there tomorrow or Sunday. The people do an amazing job of putting a flag in the ground and somebody's name on every flag that was killed on 9-11. There's ceremonies. I've spoken there. I'm not speaking this year, but it's just a beautiful place. And we need people to go to to pay respects and to memorialize the day. Amen. Thanks, Mike. Amen, Michael. Thank you. All right. That's Mike McAvoy. Um, Tough. Really tough. Uh, In a moment, Zinsmeister is going to join me, and it's the uh, Big Q poll question of the day. The Gatos Big Q Poll Question, brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. Hey, good morning, Steve. Sorry we're so short on time. 
Yeah, no worries, Mike. It's football season. Football is back. So here's the Gatos Big Q poll question brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. With the NFL season starting up this weekend, how many wins will the Cardinals have this season? Your options are 0-4, to 5-8, to 9-12, or 12 or more. I'm personally going with five to eight. I know that'll be a little bit of a letdown for you, Mike. I'm going nine. I'm going nine to twelve. Yeah, I think those are both reasonable. All right, man. Thank you. Have a good weekend. I'll look forward to talking to you guys next week. All right, dude. I'll see you then. All right, that's Zinsmeister in the Gatos BQ poll question today. Brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. Coming up just after nine o'clock, we talk about the border. We'll get to it in a moment.